Hey, how you guys doing tonight? Great. Great. Hey, do me a favor. If you have your Bible, please open to Luke chapter 11. Hey, if you don't have your Bible, don't be ashamed. But... That's all right. Um, if you don't have a Bible, maybe a leader can grab some of the back table. Raise your hand if you don't have one. We'll be looking at it a lot. You grew up in the back table, but that's all right. I'm glad that you have it. Um, please have your own Bible. Don't be ashamed. Open it up to Luke chapter 11. Getting <laughs> a little chilly, huh? A little. A little bit. Hey guys, cool. We've been talking about priorities the last two weeks. So... Tonight, we're going to talk about another thing in our life that should be a priority. If we are going to show God that He, in fact, is the number one of our life, that He, in fact, is our priority, um, we need to do things to show it to God. And so tonight, we're talking about something very, very essential, something very common to the Christian life, prayer. We're talking about prayer. Now, it's really easy for me just to be able to say, hey, you need to make sure you pray more. Prayer needs to be a priority. So this week... Go out and pray more. And that could, honestly, I could just tell you that. We're good to go, right? Make sure this week that you pray more. Um, we hear a lot, read your Bible, pray, Jesus, whatever it is, you know. But when I think about prayer, I don't necessarily think that a lot of us have a fulfilled prayer life. That a lot of us, I think, if you really believed... If you knew, I mean, let me ask you a question. If you knew that what you prayed for tonight would come to fruition tomorrow, would you pray more? If you knew that the things that you're praying about would actually happen, that God would answer your prayer, would you pray more? Definitely, definitely I hear definitely. I know in my life, I think that. If I truly believe that God was going to answer this prayer how much would I be on my knees in prayer knowing that God is going to listen? A lot of us have a prayer life that is somewhat confusing, that's kind of muddled, um, that's kind of uh, distorted even. Some of us think that, hey, I just need to pray enough. That I need to pray a lot, then eventually God will listen to me. Or, hey, if I pray certain ways or at certain times, then God's going to listen to us. But let me tell you this. God never wants us to be in the realm of thinking, maybe God will answer this time, maybe He won't. It's always a question mark. I'm going to pray it up there and see what God does with it. God doesn't want us to be like that. So we'll look down at Luke chapter 11 with me. Let's go ahead and read it. Starting in verse 1, it reads as follows. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when He finished... One of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say this, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Verse 5. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, 
For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Verse 9. And I tell you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you of a son asks for a fish will instead give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If then, if you then, who are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? I was six years old when I saw my first Star Wars movie. It was the best thing ever. All I remember from the whole Star Wars movie was the yellow lettering going up into space forever and ever and ever to never return again. Somehow I interpreted that as everything I ever said goes up into space and just keeps going forever. Which developed into my prayer life. That I thought every time I prayed that I had to talk enough to where the words kept going up and they finally reached God at the end of space. So I was a little kid sitting in bed Sunday nights was my prayer night, I told myself. And I'd pray for at least an hour so that God would eventually hear my words and it would catch up to Him, right? That is an illustration how I had a bad approach to prayer. Okay, and it's kind of childish, but... The thing is, we all at times have bad approaches to prayers. A few I mentioned earlier, we think that we have to pray enough, we have to pray long enough, we have to pray certain ways. And Luke is is giving us this story that Jesus is talking to his disciples to tell us this. That we have to have the right approach to prayer in order to have a satisfied prayer life. That we have to go about it the right way. That we can't just think that I'm going to just throw up a prayer maybe God will answer, maybe He won't. I can't just think that if I pray a certain way or if I pray enough. And Jesus, thank God for Scripture, gives us an account of God Himself telling us how to pray. And He's saying we need to have the right approach. We need to go about this the right way. And so, as I was thinking this week about what can I tell these guys about prayer, how this can be a priority, maybe I'll talk about this. I've actually taught on this passage before here, Sunday school. But this, I think, is like the most, like, I want to say important because a lot of passages are important on prayer. But one of the key passages that talk about prayer, because if we truly believe that God would answer our prayers, how much more would we be praying? And so the first thing that we need to know out of three things, what Jesus is telling us, how to have a satisfied prayer life, how to have a prayer life where we can have confidence, that we're not confused, that we're not just praying to a, a guy upstairs who might answer, who might not. The first thing we need to do is we need to pray with the right attitudes. So this is the Lord's Prayer, right? This is something that a lot of Christians have memorized. Sometimes they'll even recite it in church. This is something, if you have a children's Bible, it'll be in the back in the Lord's Prayer. Usually it's the one from, from Matthew, not Luke's. But sometimes I feel like this, like, 
His disciples come to Jesus, right? And I'm assuming that they're like, they're awed by the way Jesus prays. Like, dude, like, Jesus, man, when you pray, whoa. We, we want to be like that. The best form of flattery is what? Imitation. Jesus, teach us how to pray like you pray, dude. Something's happening. And in this time, what they usually did is the way they kind of prayed was they would hear people pray the same thing over and over and over again. And so they would have this formula. And so depending on which synagogue they went to or which tribe or whichever priest was in charge of them, they'd probably just repeat the same prayers over and over and over again. And so Jesus, being asked to teach them a prayer, he gives them that, right? He gives them a formula. He gives them something. Yeah, when you pray, say this. But let me be clear. Jesus isn't saying just blindly, unintentionally, memorize this, rote memory, and just say it over and over again. I've heard people speak for hours on the first word of this prayer. Father. Just that one word. How important it is to know that we are praying to Father. When you go to your dad, you know, you're pretty confident. Hey, dad, man, I need some gas money, man. Okay, brother. Oh. Dad, can you give me a glass of water? Dad, you know, you're confident. You don't go to dad. Dad, is it okay if I go out for five minutes to get some fresh air? You know, you're not timid. It's your dad. He's like, what's up, dude? Hey, give me that credit card. Hopefully it works like that for you. I pray. Um, so we need to pray with the right attitude. And so this is going to be the Lord's Prayer. We're going to talk about a few different attitudes. But most people, when they read this passage, they read the Lord's Prayer and they skip over the very, very important parable that Jesus is telling us about prayer. So we're going to talk about the Lord's Prayer, but a good chunk of time is going to be talking about the parable leading after that. So the right reverence we need to have in prayer. So let me ask you guys a question. If the President of the United States walked in this room, whether you respect him or not, and he came up to you, and he's standing right here, would you go up to him and say, What's up, dude? What's going on, man? How's that ISIS problem going for you? Yeah? Um, I don't think so, right? Mr. President, how are you? It's such an honor to meet you. Even though I didn't vote for you, I think it's so cool I'm meeting the president. You know what? You guys don't vote. What it doesn't matter. You're not 18. Um, you know, I, I would say that same illustration goes to your principal, but who knows in schools these days what you guys call your principal? Like, you might say, sup, dude. I don't know. But the idea is when we are in front of someone who is worthy of respect, who is worthy of honor, who is worthy of our undivided attention and reverence, that we don't just simply approach them like, hey man, how's it going today? Father, hallowed be your name. God, your name, that word hallowed, to be set apart, to be different. That when we approach God in prayer... We're not approaching just our friends. We're not approaching someone we just kind of say casually, what's going on? We're approaching the name above all names. We are approaching the God who has made everything. We are approaching the Holy of Holies. And it's not something that we just lightly kind of walk into. And so we need to have this right reverence. As we're going to have these right attitudes in prayer. It's something that we have to realize that, man, 
I have the ability to come before the King of Kings, the God who has made everything. And just as if the president would come in this room and we show the respect that is due to him, the same needs to be true in our lives, that when we come before God in prayer, it's to understand that, one, he is our Father. Yes, we have that confidence, but it's a reverence. Now, sometimes I walk and I pray. Sometimes I'm sitting in the car and I'm praying. But, you know, other times it is important for me to get on my knees, to bow my head down, and to realize I am so little compared to God. And I give Him that reverence and I show Him my respect. So we talk about coming to prayer, having the right approach, having the right attitudes, is to make sure that we have that right reverence. That's what He says, Father, hallowed be Your name. There's a song by Jars of Clay. Um, way back in the day, 1994. Are you guys born then? I don't know. 1994, you were just starting to be born. The song, one of the songs, um, really great. It says, um, it seems too easy to call you Savior. It seems too easy to call you God. Um, and so he says, and, and as I sit here and I think of words that I can imagine to show my devotion, and that's what he's saying, like, it's easy to say, hey, God, Jesus, you're my Savior. Like those are things we're conditioned to say a lot, God and Savior, Jesus. And so he's saying in the song that I sit and I imagine things to describe how great you are, that I will simply just say, hey, God, what's up? You are the Lord of all creation, almighty, majestic, and powerful is your name. To sit there and just revel in how good God is. I need to be reverent before God. Um... So he goes on. He says, your kingdom come. Three words right there. Your kingdom come. So when I was in um, the third grade, I asked God every single day for the longest time that he would give me the ability to fly like Peter Pan. I still love flying. The second I was 18, I was able to go skydiving. You better believe I was signing my name on the dotted line. I love the idea of free falling flying like a bird, you know. Um, my parents were so adamantly against that. They hid my wallet the day of. I was, I made it happen. Made it happen. I went skydiving. It was the best thing ever. Don't do it, though. It's really scary. Um, <laughs> I prayed every single day that I would have wings, right, that I could fly. And, you know, sometimes people, um, we come to God right when we need him in the nick of time, I forgot to do my homework. God, please, like, help me figure this out. Like, help the teacher forget to collect it. Or, God, allow him just to take it a day late without any penalty. <laughs> or people, you know, they pray for, God, help me get a good car, a really nice car. God, help me to have a lot of friends and allow me to be popular. That goes against your kingdom come. That doesn't sound like we're praying for God's will to be done. That sounds like Aaron's will to be done. You know, there's times where we can pray. There's a way to pray where you're only praying for your priorities. But there's a way to pray for God's priorities to come. You know, I think this might be one of the biggest things that Christians struggle with why their prayer life is unfulfilled, why their prayer life leads to, to to little, to nothing. Why we just say, you know, maybe I'll just pray before my meal every once in a while. 
It's because we haven't learned to pray for God's will to be done in our lives. We typically like to pray for things that are stressing us out, things that are going to make our life easier. You know, and I've been reading the book of Job a lot lately, and you see this picture where God and Satan have this test, and everything is taken away from Job. And Job has no idea what's going on. And us, as the readers, reading the book of Job, we know everything that's going on. And sometimes I think in my own life, of all the, the hard struggles I've gone through, all the things in my life, and sometimes I'm just like, man, why is this going on? And I'm just like Job. I have no idea what strings are being pulled above me. I have no idea what's going on. So sometimes, even in the midst of my stress, in the midst of my uncomfort, and yeah, sure, a little more money would be helpful in life, and sure, this, but maybe this is part of God's will. Maybe this is His kingdom come. And so, having a right desire in prayer looks like caring for what God cares about. And so I think an appropriate prayer, I think some of the songs we always sing every once in a while is, Lord, help me to love what you love and to hate what you hate. And I think something that is really easy to have your kingdom come is just to come to God and say, God, sometimes I don't know what to pray for. God, sometimes I, I just need your help. Tell me the things that are good, that, that please you. God, help me to be out of the solution here, out of the equation. Help me to pray for your kingdom come, God, for people to come to you. God, for, to, for me to be used by you. That's a big one, right? That's why I don't want to go up too quick, but um, your kingdom come. Do you ever just pray because you want to spend time with God? Think about your pattern of prayer in this last week alone. Think of the times you prayed. I'd venture to say 80% of the times you prayed this week were before a meal. I don't want to assume everyone, but I'm saying majority of us. And maybe the next 15% of the times is praying for just random things or on the go, praying that God would help us in this situation. And maybe 5% of that time we're saying, God, yeah, God, you're good, you're holy, we love you. God, unlike, just like the rest of us, wants to be cherished. We want to be loved. If you had a friend... And that friend only came to you when they needed something. How would you feel? And I think the idea of praying for God's will to be done in our life is at times just come to God and to enjoy Him. Give us each day our daily bread. Um, So what is the most basic need that God can provide for us? I mean, I'm pretty sure I just read it. Uh, food, right? Um, you know, I, a few years ago, I remember like I would be like a stickler. We had one of our friends. Like, I was always really big on like the thumbs up. Like, you get a group of Christians together at a meal, and the last person to have their thumbs up at the table has to pray. And so my friend Nathan would always lose, and he kind of always like, I, I want to pray. I want to pray. Like, all right, Mr. Spiritual, go ahead and pray then. And Nathan would pray for a good solid minute in the restaurant. And you begin to think like the server's just staring at us, waiting to put our drinks down. Um, and he'd pray and he'd pray and he'd pray, and it was a good prayer. And he would never actually talk about the food. And so I would always kind of like, P.S. God, thank you for the food, right? But, you know, I started to think like, why do I have this ingrained in my head that every time, I, I am guilty to this day 
If I start to eat a meal and I do not pray beforehand, I have to stop my meal, say my prayer, then I can enjoy my lunch, right? And that began to bother me. Like, why do I feel I have to go through this routine every single time just so I can enjoy my lunch? And so one time I just looked at this food, tortilla chips, probably a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and like a Capri Sun. I was really poor during seminary, if you couldn't tell. Um, or it was like leftover macaroni and cheese from the night before. Um, and I remember one time sitting there with my Greek flashcards looking at this peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And I just said, God, thanks for this food. And ate my food. And I felt for the first time I was actually thanking God for his provision. That God cares for the birds and for the animals and more so he cares for me. And he, like the smallest things I'm looking at, just this old stale bread with the peanut butter I don't like and seeing God's love and the fact that he provides for my everyday needs. And I still to this day, sometimes I just, I just mutter the smallest prayer, four or five words, but in my heart, giving true thanks to Jesus for, for provision. And I, think, and I think what he's saying here is that we need to trust. Having a right attitude in prayer it means that we trust that God will provide. Um, a lot of us say we trust God. There's this quote... Um, that gets thrown around every once in a while. It says, pray as if it all relies on God and work as it relies on you. Um, I say, like, that, that sounds good on paper, but the problem is we don't do that. The problem is we work as if it relies on ourselves, and then we pray as if maybe God will take care of the situation, but more than likely, I'll just have to do the hard work and do it myself. And the fact that we're going to trust God to provide our peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and our leftover macaroni and cheese means that we need to trust God in the big things. Trust God that he's taking care of your family situations. Trust God that he's helping you with your small midlife crisis in school. Trust God that he will provide whatever need you have. And so there's a really cool story where the Israelites are walking around in the wilderness for 40 years, right? And what did God provide every day for them? manna. God provided this food for them. And it's funny, God gave just enough. But they can never, ever take, like, so God brings the food. If they took, like, enough for, like, two days, overnight, the leftover food would spoil, and they couldn't use it. Like, they literally were living day to day. They could not take more than what was needed for that one day. Talk about trusting God. Like, imagine every single day you had just enough food for that day. We need to trust God, and that is an attitude we need to have. Um, one last thing as we look at the Lord's Prayer. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us down to temptation. Um, this is a pretty common one, too. I remember one time, my friend Kevin Vanlovich says, hey, on the bus, Aaron... I didn't do my geometry homework. Can I look at yours? Here you go, Kevin. Thought I was being a good friend, right? And I tell him, of course, you're going to look at my paper. Don't do it verbatim. You know, take a few answers. Show some of your own work. Okay. Well, that day we're checking. He's checking the homework. And he looks at Kevin's. And he looks at Aaron's. And he's like, it's pretty similar. I'm going to ask him what's going on here. And he's assuming like we did it together. So he's not even assuming we cheated yet. 
And he's like, Kevin, can I talk to you for a second? He's like, hey, I was looking at this. Like, do you know what's going on here? Yeah, I copied Aaron. Like, no hesitation. I'm like, dude, why? Like, like, wow. Like, talk about throwing me under the bus. And I'm like three seats away. I'm just like, <laughs> head down. Mr. Kimbrough, Christian guy, loves the Lord. He says, okay, you guessed you did. Um, come talk to me at lunch. Go to lunch. And he uh, says, hey, I want to show you guys what grace is. And I am going to turn a blind eye to this. I'm going to say, I forgive you. And I'm going to allow you to write down your own score. Tell my TA what you think you deserved on that. And, and we're not going to say anything about it. And I said, Mr. Kimber, I deserve a zero. I cheated. Aaron, I'm giving you a free pass. Despite the fact that you guys cheated, what did you deserve in the homework? Kevin, who did nothing, takes advantage of this grace. Second at least, I got 100. And I'm like, the kindness is extended to us. Like, I feel like I need to be fair now. I, was like, I gave myself like an 80 or something like that, like, which I think was fair at the moment. And for the longest time, although I had been forgiven, is I was mad at Kevin. It's like, dude, don't even talk to me, man. Like, it just like, it's told a bunch of people how lame he was for ratting me out. And what did, I, what did I allow? I allowed for myself to be forgiven. But I wouldn't allow for myself to forgive Kevin for what he did. And God is saying, no, 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 no. It doesn't work like that. Don't come to me and expect for me just to welcome you and forgive you while you turn your back on others. We need to make sure that we have an attitude of forgiveness in our lives. So these are attitudes that Jesus is telling us. Like, Jesus isn't saying, just repeat this prayer verbatim. He's telling us to think through these things, that we need to trust, that we need to have a right reverence, that we need to have a, an attitude of forgiveness while we pray. And if you guys think about those things, like, I mean, I'm sure it'll add up, like, yeah, at times when I pray, I am not like that. At times, like, I'm holding grudges while praying to God. And I say, that may lead to an unsatisfied prayer life. You know, sometimes I just come to God very nonchalant. You know, God wants to be the center of your universe, right? And so we need to think through the Lord's Prayer, not just a, a thing just to memorize, but to think, like, God, do I care about your kingdom come? Or am I praying for my kingdom to be done? So, we get to this really cool thing um, where Jesus starts talking about the explanation of prayer now, right? And so here's, and here's the thing that Jesus wants us to know right here is we don't need to beg God to answer our prayers. Verses 5 through 8, go ahead and look down. And he said to them, Which of you has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence he will rise and give him whatever he needs. So, kind of understanding this parable, we have to understand a little bit what was customary in that day. If anyone came to your house at a late time, it was in essence showing an emergency, right? You did not go knocking on a closed door unless it was the absolute utmost importance, okay? Secondly, we'll get to know about the custom of this day. It was extremely disrespectful to not show hospitality. 
to not help a neighbor who's actually coming and asking your help like is like the worst of the worst, okay? So we have two extreme cultural things being shattered here. The fact that someone is coming and it's an emergency, that they know it's so late at night, they're in bed already, shows that this guy was in dire need. And the fact that he didn't open the door shows that this man was going far out of his way to break what was the norm. It's like, I do not care about your needs right now. You see, what most people sometimes interpret what Jesus is saying here is that, is that it doesn't matter how hard it takes, no matter what it is in your life, that you need to keep knocking and you need to keep asking God until he gives in. And the man eventually gives in, right? And he says, not because I'm your friend, but because you're annoying me. You're being a pest. Like, how many times you have siblings, it's like, you know, I'm just going to do this so you will shut up. Like, gosh, man. Like, that's what's happening in this parable. Is that this guy's like, dude, I told you a million times, I'm not going to help you. Keeps knocking, like, fine. I, this guy's crazy, I'm just going to help him, he'll go away, right? You know, and it's funny to me that people think that this is talking about being persistent in prayer. That we need to make sure we keep knocking, we keep talking. Eventually, God will open the door and he'll give us what we need. If you pray, or if I pray for a Tesla, which is a very, very nice car, every single day for an entire year, that does not mean that God is going to give it to me. Right? Now, on the surface level, I do want to say, the New Testament talks elsewhere about being always in prayer. Prayer continually. And so there is this idea that we need to pray consistently to God. But it's not to, like, beg God. I mean, if we honestly thought that this is what it was saying, that we need to keep praying and praying and begging God, it's in essence saying that God finally gets so annoyed with us that, he, that we're just a pest to him. Like, fine, dude. I'm telling you it's not good for you, but if you want it, here you go. God isn't annoyed by us. And so what's interesting, Jesus is giving us a negative example. I remember in college, my professor, the way he taught a lot is he would say, the Protestant Reformation, it wasn't this, it wasn't this, but it was this. And we learn things sometimes by seeing how it shouldn't be done. Right? So I can tell you like, hey, we're fixing a car and sometimes you come upon this. And I can show you three examples of what not to do. And that's a way of learning, okay? And so Jesus is doing the same thing. He's saying, this is not how we pray. So when we come to God and we're praying for whatever it is, praying for someone to get saved in our family, praying for better grades, praying for better athletic abilities, praying for more money, praying for whatever, even sometimes I think we can pray for good things, but pray it with the wrong approach. And so Jesus is saying we don't need to beg God for answers. And so the key to what Jesus is saying is in the next verses. Look down at verse 9. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, 
how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask you? This is the third thing that we need to understand about praying. That we need to pray trusting that God will bless us. And so it gives us analogy of, of the fact that even you, even us as, as human fathers, as I look at my, my poor little Abigail who was crying last night because she was kind of hurt, like I literally said I would do anything at this moment to take that pain away, to make you better. I, I would give you anything. When mom's not looking, don't tell me I said this, I give them bits of cookies, yeah? I'm not supposed to give them sugar. But it makes them so happy. They're saying, mama, mama, mama. They're saying more. Mama, 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 mama. Like, what'd you give them? I don't know. Um, <laughs> she kind of always figures it out a little bit. But um, I, and who, as Jesus says, even us who are evil know how to give, give good gifts to our children. How much more does God want to bless us? Ask and it'll be given to you. Knock, and it'll be open. So many times when we pray, it's maybe God will answer, maybe He won't, maybe I'm praying wrong, maybe this is something I need to do more, maybe I just need to, to make sure I pray more, maybe I need to show God that He can listen to me by being more, maybe I need to do better, then God will listen to me. And the fact that we don't come to God trusting Him is a problem. And this is exactly what Jesus is saying. Come to the Father who wants to give you everything. And I think for a second how wonderful the gospel is. Because the gospel, the fact that Jesus died on the cross in order to make us reconciled with our heavenly Father, with our Creator, allows us to have this relationship with God where we can come to Him and we can say, Father, bless me with a more patient heart. God, bless me with the spiritual blessings through Christ. And we have the ability to come to God who wants to give us good things. God is not just saying, if you're good enough, maybe I'll give you what you want. If you pray the right way, then then I'll give you a fulfilled prayer life. Jesus allows for us to have a relationship with God where we can come to Him and we can trust that God wants to give us good things. If we truly believed that God would answer our prayers, if I went into prayer knowing that God was going to answer, how would that change your priorities? Would prayer be on the agenda for the morning routine? Would prayer be something you're thinking about when you're walking in between classes? Is prayer something that you want to do the second you go to bed? Because it gives us the ability to have an intimate relationship with God. Prayer is the thing that helps us from sin. R.A. Torrey, the great quote, either sin will keep you from praying or praying will keep you from sin. Prayer is the the oxygen we have as Christians. And Jesus gives us the motto, the way of how we can go about having a prayer life that isn't confusing, that isn't hard to understand. But it takes work. Sometimes I want God to be my magic genie. Sometimes I want God to be my quick fix. God, I'm in a real tough jam right now. I'm coming to you. 
I know I probably shouldn't have prayed to you like this. I haven't prayed to you in a week's time. But God, please come through for me right now. And if we're going to have the right attitudes, we need to make sure that we study this passage well. That we understand what prayer is. And most importantly, that we understand that God loves us so much that he's so willing to pour out all of his blessings on you because he loves you. Because just like our parents or those who take care of us know how to give us good gifts, my parents were so good at Christmas, they would just come. We'd come in front of the Christmas tree and there's so many presents. They knew exactly what to give us. And I think a million times that is God wanting to give us good things. If only we trusted that he would answer. Why don't you guys bow your heads with me? Jesus, I pray that a priority in our life would to be having a prayer life that is glorifying to you. God, it's an easy thing to say that we should have a priority of prayer. But God, it's a much harder thing to have a prayer life that is fulfilling. God, a prayer life that brings you much glory and honor. God, I pray that this word, God, in Luke 11 would penetrate the hearts of these students, God, that they would be able to come to you trusting that you want to give good things. Jesus, we love you. We glorify you. We exalt you. God, we give you the honor and the reverence that is due to your name. God, help us to not pray for our will to be done. God, help us to not pray for our priorities, God. God, help us to extend the love and the grace that you have given us to others. God, help us to trust you. God, you provide for our most basic need. Why wouldn't you then provide for our big needs? And God, thank you that I don't have to sit here and just talk your ear off until eventually that you give in. God, you love us and you desire to give us good things. For that, we give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen.